Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitzer talks with Bruce about the freeway murder of six-year-old Aiden Leos. Then, Dr. Barack Osgur, a nationally recognized minimally invasive spinal surgeon, joins Bruce to talk about the latest medical advances in robotic and microscopic back surgery. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now, here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hode. Good evening, Angels family listening tonight. Los Angeles, Orange County, Inland Empire. I'm Bruce Cook, and it is the Bruce Cook Conversation. I have a very special guest on tonight, and I'm going to introduce him in a second. But let me start by recounting some events that happened in the recent past that shocked Orange County, Los Angeles. They, it shocked the entire nation. It was the murder of the innocent six-year-old boy, Aiden Leos, on the 55 freeway, approximately 8 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, being driven by his mother to kindergarten. Going east on the 55, a road rage incident, and you all have heard about it, we're going to get into it in a minute, took this innocent life. The crime shocked the nation. It also totally brought out all the guns of the Orange County District Attorney's Office, the Highway Patrol, the California Highway Patrol, and law enforcement to solve this situation. And currently, there is a suspect, actually two suspects, under arrest and facing arraignment later this month. Orange County DA Todd Spitzer was the lead in all of this, he exhibited extreme anger and passion as he faced the press describing the incidents of that horrific encounter and has been on top of it full speed ahead. Spitzer, who is our DA here in Orange County, was a former Orange County supervisor, a former California State Assembly member. He also was the former DA in Orange County. He was educated at UCLA, UC Berkeley, and Hastings Law School in San Francisco. And he joins us tonight live from home, and we appreciate his time. Todd, are you there? I'm here, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me. I thought you were going to say I was a Major League Baseball player as well. Well, according to your resume, you've done just about everything else, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't mention that you were also a high school or a teacher and a police reserve officer. And <laughs> anyway, what I, did want, what I do want to start with as, as a further introduction is that you have been a champion of victims' rights your entire career. You have been behind Prop 9. Maisie's Law, you've been behind Prop 83, the sex offender legislation, you've been behind Prop 60, I think it's 69, the, the proposition that requires DNA collection from all felons, not to mention your support and, and involvement with Megan's Law, it goes on and on. So I'm, no, I'm not surprised and neither are any of our listeners that you took such a passionate stand over this incident. May I begin my questions with you 
Can you bring us up to date? We know that arrest has been made and the two uh, alleged uh, perpetrators are behind bars facing arraignment on, I believe, June the 18th. Have we learned anything else? Do we know anything about if there is a motive or it's just an outrageous act? What can you share? Well, uh, I w I'm so happy to talk about this, and you're giving me way more credit than I deserve, uh, Bruce. The team was amazing, and the CHP was the lead investigation. We provided in the Orange County District Attorney's Office all the support that uh, you know we we obviously want to give and did give. But you know the the bulk of the credit really really goes to the California Highway Patrol and their investigators. But where the case stands now, and you know, I'm very, I've got to be very careful because um, out-of-court statements are, you know, looked at with strict scrutiny. Um, the good news, as you clearly indicated, is that these two individuals that we believe uh, engaged in these crimes, and I'll, I'll articulate what the crimes are that we've charged, um, were engaged in this event on May 21st. I mean. Look, you know, Bruce, you and I, we drive the roads. Our, your listeners drive the roads. The fan attendees, obviously they do. That's how they get to the stadium. And we all get into it. You know, we, we're in a rush. We're impatient, whatever. And, um, you know, listen, I hope this lesson is sure brought to my attention that you could get into some kind of, you know, back-and-forth exchange on the freeway with somebody, and the next thing you know, some some person is shooting into your car. I mean, that, it's it's so unbelievable. And I think the reason, and I think you're right, this was clearly a national story. It gripped the heartstrings of America. There was $500,000 in reward money uh, that was put up. It was largely led by County Supervisor uh, Don Wagner and Katrina Foley. And, and so people from all over the country put money, you know, to try to get uh, help uh, facilitate tips in this regard. So where it stands now, the individuals have been arrested. Um, we uh, were in court a week ago last Friday on an arraignment, and their attorneys have been appointed. All uh, We have to give discovery, you know, police reports and everything else, and then we're back in court next Friday. Um, I have charged uh, Marcus Aries. He's the right front seat passenger in the vehicle who rolled down his window, uh, had a loaded firearm, and fired around into uh Aiden Leos's mom's car. Of course, Aiden, unfortunately, was, you know, in the right rear passenger seat of that car in a booster seat. Um, as you know, you know, car seats tend to be above, you know, a little bit higher. Um, booster seats tend to be a bit, little bit lower. Um, whether or not they knew, you know, Aiden was in the car, uh, that we'll, we'll be looking at all that particular evidence. But he is charged with murder for firing a firearm into an occupied motor vehicle, um, clearly after an exchange between uh, the car driven by his girlfriend, Wynn Lee. Uh, and Miss Lee was driving that car, had cut off uh, Aiden's mom, and then uh, proceeded to go in the diamond lane. And uh, at some point, a couple miles later, Aiden's mom went from the diamond lane into what we call the number one or number two lane. Those are the lanes closest to the diamond lane. We call those the fast lanes. And as she proceeded to pass to go on her normal route to take Aiden to kindergarten, that's when uh, Marcus uh, Aries fired the round that penetrated the rear, passenger, the rear trunk into the passenger compartment and uh, took the life of Aiden Leo. Let me stop you. So as I'm, as I'm understanding it, 
the incident that led to this happened sometime before she got out of the diamond lane to 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 make an exit off the freeway so he had time to think about it it wasn't instantaneous well what was instantaneous is after they cut her off in the diamond lane and proceeded a couple miles it was then that aiden's mother got out of the diamond lane into the number one lane the general purpose lane Right, And that's when there was an exchange. And shortly after the exchange was when the gun was fired. The press has reported that, quote, she used a hand gesture. Now, I've never known the press to be quite so polite. Uh, what hand gesture did she use? And I'm only asking this because I think most of the public assumes that she flipped him off. Is that yeah. what you know? And is that a message to all of us engaged in some sort of altercation on the road Never to do that. Yeah, I mean, Bruce, come on. We're we're all guilty of, you know, either be, being the receiver of a hand gesture or giving a hand gesture. I mean, we get very, very frustrated by the way people drive. People drive too, way too fast. They don't give enough space when they pass. But clearly, um, clearly we're in such dangerous times and there's so many nutballs driving on the road. People with arms in the car did did and this maybe you can't tell me or not because of course it's it may be evidence but did marcus have a permit to carry open carry a gun in the car do we know that no 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 he did not and the gun he he had weapons registered to him um he was somewhat of a it appears to be somewhat of an aficionado with weapons based upon his social media pages he shot weapons, apparently liked weapons, had several weapons. And no, we charge Lee with having a, a firearm in the car, knowing that she had a firearm in the car when it was unlawful to carry a firearm in the car. Let me ask you this. I've read that both Lee and Erez were on their way to work on the 55, 8 o'clock, heading to work at the time. How do you think they found out about what horrible thing they had done, because assuming they shot off the gun, they probably figured they just damaged the car. They wouldn't have known until they got wherever they were going. Was the news out instantly? Would, have they, would they have known instantly? And I guess my question is, if they found out pretty quickly and they did not come forward, should that not have an effect on whatever the outcomes, assuming there is one, on sentencing happens right so so let me break this down further i charged him with murder i charged her with what's called an accessory after the fact and some people have said well why haven't you charged her with murder you need evidence to charge the non-shooter with murder you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that she shared his intent to kill her shared his intent to shoot at that car it has to be based on evidence you can't prove and, that you can't prove that it was obviously first degree murder because you can't prove intent i would i would say but no, you, premeditation premeditation you can't right i meant premeditation so so it's a second degree murder charge uh, for aries well, when we charge murder in Orange County, we just charge 187 of the penal code murder. Okay. But the theory of that murder is what we call a depraved heart murder, 
um, which is basically you did such a reckless act that is so dangerous that you can imply the person's malice, their depraved heart, because anybody who fires a gun knows, right, if, you, if you've applied for a gun and got a weapons permit, you have to take a safety course. Anybody knows that you fire a gun at the direction of other human beings, there's a substantial likelihood you could seriously injure or kill them. Todd, so, the, de the depraved heart is that these people, once they were aware of what they had done, tried to cover it up. That depravity is beyond human acceptance. Well, that's why I've charged her with uh, being an accessory after the fact. That is, knowing that this crime occurred, she continued to help hide uh, and work to hide both of her identity and her boyfriend's identity, and she worked to conceal uh, the fact that he had been engaged in this shooting. And so, yeah, she's charged also with a very serious crime, but she's not charged with the murder. I've read that her charges would only bring a maximum of three years in prison. Is that correct? Yeah, for an accessory after the fact in California is three years. And I don't know if you know, Bruce, but there's something called the felony murder rule. We use it with gang members all the time. You know, four guys go in a car, one has a gun, one uh, is the driver. They all belong to the same gang, and they go and shoot a rival gang member we would charge what's called felony murder. It's called a natural and probable consequence. You knew when you went to that particular location that your buddy, a gang member, was going to kill a rival gang member. That's called the felony murder rule, and that rule was abolished uh, several years ago by, in the infinite wisdom of the California state legislature. So let's say, for example, hypothetically, you could show that you know somebody driving a car knew there was a gun in the car and that you had a hothead, uh, you know, friend or gang member, whatever, and that if there was a gun in the car and somebody confronted them, they were more than likely to use that gun. That's why they carry a gun in the car. That law was abolished by our liberal legislatures. Wonderful news. Thank you for that. So what does that mean in terms of punishing Miss Win Lee? Three years well, is it? Three years is it? The citizens are going to revolt over this. Well, quite frankly, I think, you know, listen, I mean, look, first of all, I think the citizens want a district attorney who only files the charges that the evidence supports. You would never want you want of an course, aggressive DA. Yeah, absolutely. I am an aggressive DA. I'm way more aggressive and I'm enforcing a lot more than George Gascon is in Los Angeles. OK, we're going to talk about uh, or, George in the next segment. OK, OK. But my point is, look. I am ethically obligated to only bring criminal charges I can prove. And I will not bring criminal charges in excess in order to get a guilty plea, for example. That's unethical. So I have... I have it's also likely to fail. If I were to charge her with murder? No, if you brought excessive charges that were not provable with evidence that didn't back them up, it would likely fail also. So you defeat yourself, that's all. Well, you do defeat yourself, Bruce, but but no one wants police officers who manufacture evidence or prosecutors. So, I mean, that, look, we acknowledge that. I'm just telling you, if I had evidence, and I've had this discussion with people who have written me letters and things like that, just very upset and curious why we couldn't charge her also with murder, I've explained the felony murder rule is no longer applicable in California. And, and more importantly, let me give you an example. 
let's say, for example, that car was in the HOV lane, and then after uh, Aiden's mom passed, that car suddenly veered immediately behind the car or came up right adjacent to the driver, the mom, to make it easier for Marcus to take a shot. Okay? Okay. And, 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 and Lee's driving the car. Now you can show that she's doing something to facilitate the discharge of that weapon with a closer proximity. You follow my logic? Yeah, got it. Got it. Right. We don't have that evidence. Got it. Okay, Todd, listen, we got to take our first break, but don't go away. Ladies and gentlemen, don't touch that dial. We got a lot to talk about with District Attorney Todd Spitzer. We'll be right back. Angels Radio. AMA 30. At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. Valley Sports West is the home for Angels baseball. And that one's going to go. The Halos are looking to heat things up and ascend in the AL West. That one's hit a bunch and gone. Don't miss any of the action as Shohei Otani and the Angels take on the rest of the league. And that one ain't coming back. Valley Sports West, your home for the Halos. Big banks hate competition, but we don't. That's why Rate Plus offers better rates, better service, better processing times, and, well, better everything. Rate Plus offers a 15-year fixed at just 1.75%. 1.997% APR. That's right, 1.75%. 1.997% APR. You get a low rate plus the service you deserve. Our dedicated loan consultants provide exceptional customer care with a 25-day average processing time and our Rate Plus low rate worry-free guarantee, which means if rates change after six months we'll refi your loan at the lower rate and pay the closing costs come for the rates stay for the plus call us now at 800-381-7730 that's 800-381-7730 800-381-7730 or visit rateplus.com rate plus is an equal housing lender terms and conditions apply not all applicants will qualify rate subject to change rate plus incorporated is licensed under the california financing law by the department of financial protection and innovation license number 60 dbo 35845 nmls number 12309 low rates plus great service rate plus hi mark is here with jose moda if you're a big fan of trucks and want to check out the full line of new Chevy Silverados, or if you want to see the all-new 2021 Chevrolet Corvette, then you have to stop by Simpson Chevrolet in Irvine and Garden Grove, or visit online anytime at SimpsonGM.com. Simpson Chevrolet, big enough to deal, small enough to care, and you can't beat that. Chevrolet, find new roads. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. So we're using Babbel. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now we speak Spanish. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Angels Radio. AMA 30. 
And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation, live tonight, Angels Radio, AM830. My guest tonight, Orange County District Attorney Todd Spitzer, and we are talking serious stuff tonight. Todd, I have a couple more questions on the Aiden Laos murder, and then I want to talk more generally about what's going on in your life, in the DA's office, and also a little bit about what's happening in L.A. with George Gascon. My two quick questions for you on the case. I understand that they hid the white Volkswagen. It belongs to Win Lin's parents, and they hid it in a house in Whittier that may or may not have belonged to a relative of Aris. Is that correct? And That's correct. Okay, and then this follow-up question to that is, did your investigators, or rather the Highway Patrol, get any kind of cooperation from the owners of that car, namely Win Lin's parents? Yeah, so I guess that let me. I'm going to guess and and maybe put words in your mouth. The third question is: Were any of those individuals part of the conspiracy or accessories or helping hide the identity of the daughter or um, or Marcus Aries? Well, right? since, like in other words, since do we you've have asked, more suspects. Yeah, since you asked the question, I'll answer it, and the answer is yes. <laughs> The answer to the question I ask myself is the answer is no. Um, we, yes, the California Highway Patrol has uh, obviously interviewed, well, not obviously, but they have interviewed the relatives of individuals who are associated or connected to that vehicle. And there's absolutely no evidence. In fact, I asked the media and I begged the media, basically said, stop harassing, stop showing up, because if you saw the news, they were in front of the relative's house in Whittier. Um, you know, and they and showing how the car, you know, had been towed away and all that. And there's no indication whatsoever. And the case is an ongoing investigation, but there's no evidence that any of the relatives or anybody associated with that car through registration or whatever participated in uh, helping uh, them with some nefarious or criminal intent. Except that the car was there and those people must have heard all the news or they were looking for a white Volkswagen Golf. I mean, they had to have known. Why would they be hiding the car there if they didn't know? Well, you're assuming somebody was hiding the car as opposed to some other reason, which is just as reasonable under the particular circumstance. I mean, just the thing, Bruce, you're assuming one thing is that everybody was watching the news. Everybody knew about this, that everybody was paying attention to it, even though it was a huge story. You can't assume um, that it, is what you're saying. Yeah, and, and after people are interviewed, there was there were reasons, legitimate reasons for that car to be kept in Whittier. Okay, well, let's leave it at that. Let's leave it there for now, and let me move to the reward. $500,000 reward. The public wants to know if you're going to be paying it out. I know you had thousands of calls and tips. Were there specific tips that actually led the California Highway Patrol to being able to make an arrest? So the reward, yes, you're right, $500,000 to the generosity of a lot of different sources, but in some big chunks, I mean, fifty dollars and $65,000 chunks, so really significant. Um, the answer is yes, I'm, I'm fairly certain monies will be paid out. How, it will, how many individuals at this point, I can't say, so how it will be apportioned, I don't know. But 
Um, once there's a conviction, that's the trigger, both the arrest and the, it requires a conviction leading to that uh, the monies will be analyzed. And so I have this. So, Bruce, remember when we had the jail escape from the Orange County Jail uh, and we found the three individuals up in the Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco? Yeah. When I was a county supervisor, um, I asked my colleagues to put up a $100,000 reward. In that case, we caught the guys. And it was a homeless man in the Haight that um, actually uh, observed them uh, living out of a, a, a van. And so he got the whole entire $100,000. But the taxi driver who was abducted after the escape, he filed a claim against the county saying, hey, me too, me too, me too. So you have to be really methodical and very careful before you start handing out this money because people who feel that they deserve to get some of it will sue you if you don't do it correctly. Yeah, what a mess. Um, Last thing about this before I switch for our last few minutes together. If – well, I shouldn't say if – is it legal? Would it be possible if the entire reward is not distributed for the rest of that money to go to Joanna Clunan and family? Or is that not the way it works? Well, it's all really up to the benefactors of the people who put up the money. I mean, it's their money. They can do whatever they want. There's no legal contract. You know, we didn't have people sign a document saying that, okay, they put up the money. We have people's word uh, through various, you know, written communications and the like. Most of all this I didn't solicit any money myself. All this was uh, forwarded to either Supervisor Wagner or Katrina Foley. Katrina Foley and Supervisor Wagner each put up 50000 from their budgets, and then Katrina Foley uh, was able to get the city of Costa Mesa to do another fifty. So, you know, they, you could do whatever you want, but the, the government entities, are they cannot give uh, uh, gifts of public funds. Got it. You can't okay. just give somebody money for no reason. Let me change subject for our last few minutes together. You mentioned George Gascon, District Attorney Los Angeles, formerly District Attorney San Francisco, well known for his very progressive stance. I have sources in Los Angeles in the DA's office that tell me that the office and all of the attorneys under him are living in chaos, that the rules change by the day, by the hour, by the minute. They don't know what's happening or what's going on. How do you respond to hearing that kind of news as a district attorney here in Orange County? We're running a big operation. He runs the biggest DA's office in the country. I run the sixth largest DA's office in the country. I have 300 lawyers, 900 employees, $150 million budget. It's a big operation, and you're going to always have issues when you manage people. I don't care even if they agree with you and like you. Uh, But the fact of the matter is uh, he has really come in and turned that ship in the opposite direction of what it should be for law enforcement. And they're trying to do it all over the country. They did it with uh, Len Krasner in Philadelphia, Chester Bowden in San Francisco, Dinah Beckton in Contra Costa County, and George Gascon in L.A. They're trying to do it all over the state and the country. I won't let it happen here, Bruce. It's not going to happen in Orange County. Do I believe we need to make significant changes and good changes to reform our system to make it more responsive? Absolutely. But do we need to throw out the entire baby with the bathwater? When we have very good public safety in Orange County, the answer is no. In L.A., homicides are up 150 percent. Auto thefts are up uh, uh, 50 percent. Rapes are up. I mean, Bruce, L.A. is out of control. And what the public and your listeners need to know is there's a, there, there's a reason 
public safety is in trouble in L.A. And it's because the message is being sent to criminals that you have the permission of the district attorney to engage in criminal conduct and it will not be punished. For example, if I, uh, if I have a minute, let's take this Aiden Leos case. Shooting at a car, okay, uh, an occupied car, seven years max in state prison. But I added the gun enhancement against Marcus Aries. That adds 25 to life. Bruce, you know George, George Gascon doesn't support sentence enhancements. That means the max on a murder would be 17 years. He's looking at 40, although he might uh, get out early on parole because he was under 26, which is another new law. But my point being, I charge enhancements. Gascon doesn't. And that's why there's a huge difference in why Orange County is safe and L.A. is not. What are some of the statistics here in terms of crime this year? How are we well, doing? How are we doing? I mean, are, is crime up here also? Obviously, not as drastic. The only crime that is up is auto theft, and that's because after AB one hundred nine, Assembly Bill one hundred nine, the legislature passed that. It made it where individuals no longer for low level felonies didn't go to state prison; they came to county jail and were released from county jail. We have more thieves getting out early than ever before. Look what the legislature did, Bruce. It used to be if you stole four hundred dollars, it was a, over four hundred. It was a felony. If you had prior convictions for that, you could charge it as a felony. Now it's nine hundred and fifty dollars, and you can steal on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and it continues to be a misdemeanor every single day. That's why Walgreens in San Francisco is closing because Chesa Bowden, one of Gascon's buddies does not prosecute petty theft in San Francisco. I'm glad That's you brought why the Walgreens are closing. I'm glad you brought that up because. I can tell you I hear this all the time from citizens that participate in this radio broadcast when we talk about civics and crime. The $950 uh, limit basically enables shoplifters in Orange County to walk out of stores without being stopped every single day. You brought up the horrible situation with Walgreens. We've all, of course, those of us have seen it on the news, see the empty shelves and the closing of stores. It can happen anywhere. And the consumer is going to pay for it. But but what's worse than that is that the people feel entitled to do it. So my last question is, as we close our precious time together, are you optimistic? Are things going to get better? Are people going to become more responsible and more just and more righteous about their behavior? Or are we just going to keep stealing, robbing, and murdering into oblivion? Well, it seems to me people are sick of it and people are scared. And I'm telling you, uh, it ain't going to happen in Orange County. It's happening in Los Angeles, and I think people have awakened. Now, they, we call these people woke, right? Woke prosecutors. And they argue that they are the ones that are waking society. That's why they call themselves woke. They woke up. No, they're the ones that are not progressive, Bruce. They're regressive. And they're turning society in a, around in a negative direction. Again, can we do things better with our mentally ill and our drug addicted and alcohol addicted? Absolutely. But should we jeopardize our communities and our safety? Do you remember I cleared the riverbed right adjacent to the stadium? We I all remember. We remember it well. Shelter. We remember it well. Right. That, that was an encampment beyond beyond. Right. But, Bruce, I wasn't going to let that be what our Orange County looks like or should be. And that we, But then we're treating the homeless humanely. So my point is... Am I optimistic? I'm always optimistic. Am I scared about the future if people continue to drink the Kool-Aid? Yes, I'm very scared. People need 
to understand, pay attention, and not vote these crazy DAs into office. On that, we end our time together, and I ask you respectfully, I hope you would come back again and share some more with me. Anytime, Bruce. Thank you. It was enjoyable. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. District Attorney Todd Spitzer, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our break and we're going to switch gears. When we come back in our second half hour, I'm going to introduce you to an amazing doctor here in Orange County who is producing miracles and surgery every single day. You don't want to leave the show tonight. We'll be... Rested on a cornerstone. Angels Radio. AM 830. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute. Compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 949-516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Replacing your windows and doors doesn't have to be stressful. Instead, it can be transformational. Turning your home into a space that inspires you to live healthier, happier, more comfortably. Seamlessly blending indoors and out to help you feel connected to nature. Marvin Windows and Doors can make the difference. They're thoughtfully designed for the way you live, with an inspiring range of options that let you create the look you want and lasting quality you can feel great about. When you work with a local independent Marvin dealer, you'll get straight advice about window and door replacement. Marvin specialists will help you plan your project and select the right products for your needs. They'll give you a detailed proposal so you know exactly what you're getting and make the whole process easier. If you're ready to transform how your home feels with windows and doors you feel great about, schedule your free consultation at replacementmadeeasy.com. That's replacementmadeeasy.com. Angels Radio. AM 830. 
And we're back. I'm Bruce Cook. It's the Bruce Cook Conversation tonight live on Angels Radio AM 830. Broadcasting to all of Southern California, or nearly all anyway. Los Angeles, Orange County, the Inland Empire, parts of San Diego. We're switching gears for our second half of the show, and I'm going to introduce you to a doctor here in Southern California, and you're going to want to know about this doctor. He is a nationally recognized neurosurgeon specializing in minimally invasive spine neurosurgery for the treatment of spine conditions such as scoliosis, chronic back pain, neck pain, degenerative disc disease, so much more. I really wanted Dr. Maruk Osgur to come into the studio today because all of us have back pain here at KLAA, and uh, and uh, we have a new uh, board op producer, and uh, she's bent over. I can see her through the glass. She doesn't know what to do. Dr. Osgur, why aren't you here? Why are you just on the telephone? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm really happy. I'm happy to have you. I, I'm sorry to, to, <laughs> to joke with your intro, but after talking about a half hour with the DA about the murder on the freeway, I, I had to have a little bit of levity. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> listen, you're at Hogue at, at the Pickup Family Neuroscience Institute in Newport Beach. Tell me about you. Where did you come from? Where did you study? Why did you become a neurosurgeon? And... What about it that, that really floats your boat? What makes you happy about what you're doing? Sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, I was, I'm a Southern California native. I was born and raised in California. In, uh, to be specific, I was born in Glendale, grew up in Glendale, and uh, high school and all that in Glendale. Went to undergrad at UC Irvine and uh, went to med school in Vermont, University of Vermont. That was the only time I was out of Southern California. And I uh, came to UC San Diego for a neurosurgery residency. And then I did a combined spine fellowship in ortho and neurospine surgery, and also at UC San Diego. And then did... since then, I've, I've been working in Southern California the past 10 years at Hogue in Newport Beach. Where did you get the inspiration to follow the path into neurosurgery? Actually, my father's a neurosurgeon, and I... I I got the inspiration for the neurosciences, the brain, the spine, spinal cord diseases, and how to treat them, uh, I think, through my father. And that's been the inspiration. Well, that's a good place to get it. I'll have to say that. So many things, so many wonderful advances have happened in the field of medicine, and especially in, in surgery. Discuss the difference between minimally invasive and invasive surgery in relation to your practice, what is the difference, and why is it just as just as effective, or even more effective? Sure, I think uh, any type of surgery is scary. People want to avoid surgery whenever possible, and that, of course, includes spine. I think uh, getting your your spine or your back operated on is a scary thing, and we want to avoid it whenever possible. However, when you have to have it done, there's traditional surgery, which Everybody fears that's a big incision or big cut, and it means a lot of recovery, a lot of potential risks and bleeding and pain. Minimally invasive is trying to solve the spinal problem through a less invasive surgery, which means through a smaller cut. I use a, a microscope for, for almost everything that I do that allows me to make a smaller cut. 
Doctor, doctor, explain yeah. how that microscope is used. I understand what a microscope is, but when you say you use it, are you looking through the lens of the microscope as you make the cut? What does that mean? Yeah, basically, I'm, I'm looking through a microscope, so it's, it's uh, directly on my eyes, and then I'm looking down through the lens into the uh, incision, the, the cut, and that allows me to make a smaller cut because I can magnify and, and, and illuminate or put a light into that area so I don't have to make a cut as big as the traditional surgeries. How new is this practice? Well, the microsurgery or using the microscope is, is not very new. That's been around for probably 15 to 20 years. Uh, it gets better every year as the technology gets better, but microscope has been around for a while. It has. Um, we hear a lot of people, as you, as you started to say a few minutes ago, very, very nervous about having any kind of spine surgery because there are horror stories out there of things not going well. Can you be That's true. Can you be specific in terms of how serious is that? How many times do things what are the statistics? How many times do things go bad? And do That's people a great question. do people really need to be that afraid of it? Well, I think it, it just like anything, you want to be careful with where you get your services, you know, where you take your car, where you, where your kids go to school, where where you shop and and where you take care of your body, you know, what type of doctors you go to, what type of facility you go to, that's all very important because it could mean it can mean life and death. It could mean an infection or a non-infection. It could mean recovery smoothly in a, in a day or two or, uh, or months and months of suffering. So it does make a huge difference. And I would recommend everybody kind of get a second or third opinion before you take any type of spine surgery as an option. You get multiple opinions, see if everybody's on the same page. And then you want to ask around and see who has the fewest complications, like infections or, uh, or problems afterwards, like a, uh, new problems like uh, numbness or tingling or additional pain or prolonged recovery. Now, the traditional surgeries, the, the rates of having any problems like that are quoted anywhere from 5 to 10%, which is still roughly low, but to me that's, that's too high. Uh, minimally invasive techniques allow those risks to go way down, I'd say 1% or 2%, even less than that in, in most of those types of bad complications. So that's in very fact, positive. It, that's very positive. Yeah. yeah. It's very, the, the numbers are very low. It, it's still a very scary thing to, have your, to think about having your back operated on. However, when you think about all the people who have back problems, herniated discs, spinal stenosis, where you can't walk upright, or you can't walk at all, or you're in a wheelchair, and to, to give somebody the gift of being able to get up and walk and exercise or play with their grandkids, it's, it's a huge blessing. And 99% of patients don't have any problems. They recover quickly, especially when it's done minimally invasively. What would you say is the average predicted recovery time on a minimally invasive spine surgery of some sort? Are you looking at yeah, weeks or question. months? Weeks or months? So basically what typically happens is I operate every – Tuesday and Thursday, and most of my patients will go home the same day or the next day. So within 24 hours, they're going home, and that includes younger and older patients. I recently just operated on a 94-year-old gentleman, and he went home in 24 hours. That's amazing. And, but, then, but then when you go home, you still have some pain, and you're still recovering from the cut and the swelling and all of that, but you're up and you're walking 
you're moving around, you're walking to the bathroom, taking care of yourself, going outside. So you can do all those things within the same day. And generally, though, I would say give yourself about a month of recovery time where you take it easy. You're walking and moving every day, but, but just taking it easy. And then about a month after surgery is when we start physical therapy and people start getting back to their normal life. That wasn't the case not that many years ago. I, I, I don't think people got out of the hospital in 24 hours or less. Oh, that's right. That's right. In fact, we have the national numbers of uh, average length of stay, meaning how long you're in the hospital. And around the country, it's more like four to seven days. And my numbers at Hogue Hospital and, and our other surgeons, we're closer to one day, which is a traumatic, dr- dramatic difference. And when you get out of the hospital soon, even though we have a beautiful hospital there, it's still better to get out of the hospital, go home, sleep in your bed, use your bathroom. You feel much more comfortable and you have less risks of complications and things when you, when you get back home. Except it's hard to give up the ocean view from your hospital bed. This is true. Nobody <laughs> wants to leave. <laughs> Talk about the uh, Pickup Family Neuroscience Neuroscience Center. How has that changed how you practice at Hogue? What kinds of things are going on at the center that you can share with our listening audience tonight? Sure. I'm, I'm very proud to be working at the Pickup, Science, Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue in Newport Beach. What that means is we have a whole host of specialists, neurologists, neurosurgeons, brain specialists, spine specialists, surgeons, non-surgeons. We, we kind of have all the specialties around neurosciences, which is brain and spine problems. And we put all our heads together to really try to come up with the best treatments, best, uh, most accurate diagnoses, uh, least invasive treatments for brain surgery and for spine surgery because we've got so many experts at our center, and I'm very proud to be working within that uh, great group. Wonderful. Listen, we've got a lot more to talk about. I have a bunch more questions about spine surgery. We need to take our break, Dr. Oscar. Will you stay with me? Yes, thank you. Great. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Bruce Cook. It's a conversation tonight with Dr. Barack Osgore, and we are going to be right back. And if you've got an aching back, you don't want to go away because lots of information to come. I know because she told me so. Angels Radio. AM 830. As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's Neurospine program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash Hi, I'm Darren Sutton, Angels TV broadcast announcer. The drive to win is an attitude all successful players have. It's just what they do. At the Irvine Auto Center, all dealerships are driven to give you an excellent buying experience. It's just what they do. So if you're looking for a new or pre-owned vehicle from the top 15 import, domestic, luxury, and exotic brands, then turn your search into drive at the Irvine Auto Center, where the 5 meets the 405 at Lake Forest Drive. 
This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest, resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-375-2922. 800-375-2922. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents... And Doug. Check it out, Lemu. A roadside carnival. Step right up, folks. Test your strength. Come see the fire-breathing baby. <laughs> Let's fan out and tell people that Liberty Mutual customizes your car insurance so you only pay for what you need. Look! An emu wearing sunglasses! Lemu, you're famous. Only pay for what you need. Liberty, 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 liberty. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click slash safety, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Angels Radio, AMA 30. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Angels Radio, AMA 30, KLAA, tonight, live. My guest on the Bruce Cook Conversation, Dr. Barack Osgur from Hogue Hospital, the Pickup Family Neuroscience Institute. And we're talking about minimally invasive spine surgery of all kinds. If you're just joining me, Dr. Osgur has shared very optimistic news about how things have changed so much in that field and how patients are going home, at least here at Hogue, basically in a day with recovery times that may be only a month or so, with problems in the 1% to 2% range, uh, as opposed to the old days when it was much more serious. Dr. Osgur, come back with me. I want to ask you about robotics and how that has changed your medical practice. Tell me about that, and how does that work in the surgery room, specifically relating to spine surgery? Sure, sure. I'm, I'm lucky to have... Uh the latest equipment at Hogue Hospital, and one one type is uh, called navigation. It's sort of like the navigation that we have in our cars. It kind of helps us get get going where we want to go. Well, in, in surgery, we can use the same type of navigation to verify where we want to be, especially in the spine, so that we don't have to make a big cut. That's part of what helps us make the minimally invasive or the smaller cuts. We use this type of technology. Now, the other thing that helps is the, the robotics. So we have the latest robot uh, used for spine surgery in our hospital in Hogue and Newport. 
And basically, that also runs off the same platform of uh, navigation, uh, again, just like our cars. So what I can do is basically, before the surgery even begins, weeks before, I can look at an MRI and CT scan. I can plan out exactly what I want to do in the spine of the patient. And I can basically have a pregame plan, exactly what, you know, what the plan is. I can put it into the computer and program the robot. Uh, to help me if I'm going to put in instrumentation like screws and rods to to fuse the patient in some cases. And so then when we're in the hospital, when we're in the operating room, I can use now that robot that I've already programmed to help assist me. And the thing that scares people is they think, well, I don't want a robot operating on me. I want want the physician. I want the surgeon. And so there's nothing to worry about. The the robot is just an, an assist meaning the surgeon is still there. I'm, I'm scrubbed in there with the patient. I'm doing the surgery, but I'm using the robot to assist me. And Am so I... what that means is it helps us become more accurate, uh, no, you know, eliminate any tremors. It makes us verify our points to make sure we're exactly where we want to be. Am I correct in hearing that you, as the doctor, actually program the robot based on your research of the MRI and other evidence in order to tell the robot what to do also. Is that correct? That's correct. And I'm always in control of the robot. It only does what I want it to do and what uh, I allow it to do. And I I have like a pedal where I control it, uh, start and stop. It doesn't do anything by itself. All it does is help assist the surgeon. What about all the science fiction movies where the robots have a life of their own and go crazy? (laughs) Well, hopefully, well, that hasn't happened yet, and hopefully it never does. Never at Hogue? Never a possibility? <laughs> never. What if it attacked you with those, all those screws? No. I get, I'm getting really— We, we I, can just unplug it. I'm, <laughs> pull the plug. Describe what the robot looks like. I don't think our listeners who, uh, who might be concerned about surgery with a robot have any idea what the, what the apparatus actually looks like. Can you describe it? Sure. It basically just looks like an arm. Uh, it doesn't have you know, an arm and legs and face and anything like, a, like what you imagine a robot. It basically is a computer with an arm. And that arm has a, a, basically a hole where you can put different instruments. And when I push on a pedal and I've programmed it, it, the arm will move very slowly exactly where I want it. And it'll hold a trajectory. But let's say I want to put it in a very precise location. It will go to that spot and hold it, and then I will work through it using various instruments. So it's basically just an arm. You're a very young man. You have a long career ahead of you. Look down the road 10 years from now and tell me what it's going to be like in the operating room. What are the robots going to be like? What is your surgery going to be like? What's in your mind's future? Yeah, that's a great point. I I think things will continue getting better, just like, our mobile phones get better every year. Will our microscopes get better? Our navigation, our robots uh, all get better. In fact, at Hogue, we're also testing the newest augmented reality in the operating room as well. So that's putting on a headset and seeing various displays, whether the MRI or CT scan or different, the vital signs of the patient. We can put up any of these little um, screens within my view so I don't have to be looking around the room. It's all in front of my eyes. It's not so confusing? Reality, it's not confusing? No? no? 
it's not it's not because it's it's totally customizable. So as a surgeon, you can pick and choose whatever you want. Obviously, I don't want everything all up at once, but I can move things around and display it so to whatever is helpful for me. And it may be different from surgeon to surgeon and from surgery to surgery what I want to see. But augmented reality, I think, is going to have more of a part in our surgeries. Um, basically, all these technologies are not replacing the surgeon, but they're just helping us to be more accurate. When uh, you're to be when yeah. you are in the operating room doing a spinal surgery, minimally invasive or traditional, besides the robot, who else is in there with you? So there's always an anesthesiologist, and they're very important to put the patient to sleep and wake up at the end of the surgery. Uh, that's sort of like the pilot of a plane. It's taking off and landing is like anesthesia, putting the patient to sleep and waking up at the end. Uh, so anesthesia, the surgeon, I, I usually have an assistant with me as well. There is a nurse that's, uh, that, that's called the circulator. Uh, he or she is, is basically just bringing equipment and uh, getting uh, uh, anything the anesthesiologist needs or I need in, the, in and out of the room. And then there's someone called a scrub tech. This is a technician who's scrubbed into surgery with me, and he or she also hands me equipment and makes sure we have everything that we need. So this is an important team that we have that's sort of like an orchestra to make sure everything runs smoothly. Is there any kind of an IT technical person in there making sure that your computer and your robot are working properly? Uh, they, they actually check everything beforehand. So the morning of, before the surgeries even began, we have the people who are checking sterile equipment, uh, making sure all the equipment is sterilized and clean and ready to go. We have the technicians who check the computers and the robots and the ma magnification and the microscope and, and so on and so forth. So that all that's happened actually behind the scenes already before the surgery has begun. Doctor, you mentioned that you uh, practice your surgery Tuesdays and Thursdays. Talk about your day. What's your day like? How many surgeries do you do in a day? When does it start? When does it end? Sure. I basically have a five-day work week. Uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I have clinic where I see patients in my office. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm in surgery at Hogue. I typically do anywhere from two to four surgeries a day, depending on the type of surgery and how long it takes. Two to four a day. Yeah. Would you say you're better in the morning or the afternoon, or does not matter? Oh, always on, on, on the top of my game. Doesn't and that, that's the answer I expected. Dr. Oscar, <laughs> doctor, thank you so much for being on today. I, you've shed a lot of information, and we appreciate it very much. I, I wish you the best. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks. And good night, everybody. I'm Bruce Cook. The conversation is over for tonight. We will be back next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Continue, continuing to talk about everything that matters. Good night, good luck, goodbye. You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public.